Welcome everybody back to the Truth Revealed Podcast. I am Dylan Cottrell. With me as always is Braylon Wareham. Uh, how we doing today? We are doing good. It's just a little cold. It's been cold the last few days. Dylan. A little cold in northern Indiana, but yeah. we survive. We got a very special episode for you today, along with a very special guest. Dylan Meadway. Pleasure to be on the podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. We are so glad to have Dylan with us here today. Dylan, why don't you tell us a little something about yourself? Well, I would say that I come from some pretty humble beginnings. Uh, grow up as the uh, in the Bourbon United Pentecostal Church, where this is being hosted, and uh, eventually became the youth pastor. Um, and yeah, my my life's just one one big one big ball of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's just great to hear, Dylan. We're we're happy to hear about that. Yeah. I have a quick question, Dylan. How long have you been the youth pastor here at Bourbon UPC? Uh, it'd be about five and a half years now, I believe. Five and a half. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a long time. It seems like you've encountered quite a bit. I'm sure. <laughs> I have encountered my fair share. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> Lots of uh, fun stuff, stupid stuff, and downright not good stuff. <laughs> All the above. You got to have a little bit of everything. Yeah. Kind of like a Chinese buffet. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, you ever been to, never mind. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just get right into it. So today we have a very special topic, a different one, um, one that we... We're very excited for. Um, we're going to be talking about aliens, extraterrestrial life. And I got to say, I found some pretty weird stuff. I know you guys have too. So let's let's just dive into it. Head Dylan. first. Braylon's are we, are we, yeah, are we like dolphin diving or are we like hands together, hands well, first? Dolphins come out of the water and back into the water. So I think it's best if we just stay in the water. Okay. Well, we got to get to the water first. So let's just start. <laughs> let's step on into this. Let's. Who's got something to start us off with? How about I ask the question? Do you guys believe in aliens? I'll Dylan? go first. Dylan. We got two Dylans on the podcast. Dylan today. and Dylan. Okay. Um. Well, Braylon. I think it depends on what you're meaning by aliens. Okay. How do you want me to... As far as little green gremlins living on other planets, I do not believe in that. Okay. Um, even if the gremlins are 10 feet tall, I don't believe in that either. Um, <laughs> meaning, I'm just trying to project that there is no, no life on other planets, what I'm trying to say. Okay. As far as so you don't high, in higher intellectual beings. What about lower intellectual? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> so nothing on other planets. No. So you don't believe that there's like people on Mars? No. Okay. Okay. Not even the Martian. Not not even the Martian. Not even the Martian. Oh my goodness. Okay. I was gonna say I think I have something that would be a good question for later, but I don't think it's on topic right now. Okay. But that's valid. I think that possibly. 
there could be life on other planets. Possibly. But in a way that you may not be thinking. So. Do you want to dive into that? No, not right now. Okay. We'll, let, we'll let it come. He's saving that for later. Okay, and how about some... So about this podcast, you know, we, we like to get into the worldly evidence, but we also like to focus on the biblical evidence of our topics. Um, so why don't we get into that a little bit? Let's start off with some biblical evidence of what the Bible says about alien quote-unquote creatures or um, things of that nature. You guys got anything? Anything? I think Dylan wants to start us off. I'll start us off. So what I have kind of just picked some scriptures um, that many people use to prove aliens to be real, um, but we're going to disprove them, hopefully, by the end of my speech. So uh, the first one is Ezekiel chapter 1, starting in verse 4. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire, also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance, they had likeness of man, and everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings. So, getting off the bat here, there's a whirlwind, there's fire, there's lights, there's now these human-like creatures coming out of the midst of all this stuff. It's pretty sketchy stuff. Sounds like aliens. Sounds like aliens. But is it really aliens? Well, ancient astronaut theorists would say, <laughs> would say yes. I bet they would. Going <laughs> to verse 6. And everyone had four faces and everyone had four wings. And their feet were straight, and the soles of their feet was like the sole of the calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wings and their four sides, and they had four, and they had their four faces and their wings, and their wings were joined one to another, turned not when they went. They went everyone straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they had four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and they had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another and covered their bodies. So, this is pretty pretty sketchy stuff, as I said before, as uh, Dylan touched on it. It's aliens, right? It has to be. Yeah, it has to be. Amber lights, four winds. has to be. Four faces, I mean. Four what, faces, what, what, I mean. What else could it be? Faces of an ox and lions and eagles and f- feet that look like little calves running around. You ever seen a calf foot? A hoof? Yeah. Yeah, it's not very good looking. <laughs> a calf foot? <laughs> a calf foot. <laughs> they call those hooves here in America. <laughs> well, I'm just not from this land. Uh-oh. <laughs> Watch out, folks. We got an alien on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's finish reading the verse 14. 
As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, and the appearance of lamps, it went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright. Out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures ran out and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. So, Braylon? Yeah. If you were to just read this portion of Scripture Mm -hmm. and not really pay much attention to it, not really dive into it, what it's meaning, what they're talking about. I'd say it's safe to say you could you could make a fair assumption that the aliens are real. Yes, that would. I think that would be a valid point. Um, I also think that this could be a, uh, um, a reason to believe, uh, what are they called? Like fairy tales or like folk tales. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Those mythical creatures, like, uh, like fairies, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I can see that. So, well, as you know, we're gonna get a little bit deeper than just reading it. So, if we look back over several different accounts um, throughout the Bible, you begin to see how it matches up. So. If you go to Exodus 19.16, which is where Moses is up on the uh, mount, and we know that this is where he receives the Ten Commandments from the Lord, um, and some spooky stuff happens up on top of the mountain, right? There's some lightning flashing, and there's some clouds that are coming over him, and uh, there's some loud trumpets going off. So if we read in Exodus 19, verse 16, it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. So now we have two sightings of aliens, right? Could you imagine, though, being the Israelite people there at the base of the mountain and then looking up in the sky and all you see is fire and lightning and a cloud covering the top of the mountain. You just sent your leader up there. Yeah. Like I'd be really, I'd be really confused about what's going on. Um, I would honestly probably be very scared myself. Um, just to see a giant fireball coming upon a, a mountaintop. And I just, just, you know, maybe 10 minutes ago, I just seen the person who's supposed to be leading us just, just walking up. You know? I think the scary yeah. part would be the trumpets. The trumpets? The yeah. trumpets. Oh, yeah. That actually, yeah. Good point, Dylan. I mean, but think, if, you, if you've never seen this before, <laughs> here we go. Dylan wants to get a sound machine, but he can't afford one right now. So. Should have brought, should have brought a real trumpet. Donations. But if you've never seen this before, uh, you know, as Israelite people, which they hadn't, mm-hmm. um, obviously they saw the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Right. But, I mean, you might think, hey, this could be aliens. It could be someone trying to abduct Moses. Do you Especially at the time in which the Israelites were at, which was a time of they were down there yeah. performing idol worship, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's not to lead them to believe that, you know, Moses really did get abducted by aliens because they thought he was dead. Let me pose this question. Do you think all the way back in their time, in this day, or that day, they believed that there possibly could have been life outside of Earth. 
That's a very good question. My my beliefs would probably lean toward yes, but you, not for the reason of they thought there were green aliens right. out in outer space. Yeah. Um, but they had had encounters uh, with supernatural beings. Yes. So what what would not lead them to believe that there was other life outside mm-hmm. of humanity? True. Yeah. So but, it's it's a it's an interesting question to ask, but unfortunately we can't get into the minds of the ancient Israelites other than through the text we have. Unfortunately, yes, that is correct. So we will continue on. In Job 38 uh, chapter 38 verse 1 we see another encounter much like what we read about in Ezekiel in Exodus uh, starting in verse 1 of 38 then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind so here now we're getting a whirlwind not just you know the lightning and the thunder and the clouds of uh, Moses's encounter but now we get we add the whirlwind to the mix but what's interesting is it says, Then the Lord answered Job. Not Alf. Not E.T. <laughs> not Wally. <laughs> or Eva. Or Eve. <laughs> but the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. So here we have, uh, there we can kind of see it all unfolding, that the whirlwind, the noise, the, the lights, the... Fire, it is all kind of going back to, okay, so now we can kind of see not was this, it wasn't a UFO, it wasn't aliens, but rather it was the Lord. But that still leaves the question open, what about these beings? What were these creatures walking around with hooves and eagle faces and ox faces and then a man's face? (laughs) That'd be a pretty weird hybrid. That's that's a weird, yeah. That's so, a very complex. Just to even picture something like that. I was say, well, how how do you think Ezekiel felt when he was seeing these visions? You know what I mean? Like, how how do you describe? Because obviously he's not describing a literal right ox man and eagle face on one body, but mm-hmm. but what he is describing that's the only words he has to use to depict um, Mm -hmm. what he's trying to convey. Yeah. So imagine being Ezekiel. Like, that'd be some weird stuff. Imagine being the people (laughs) listening to him explain this. (laughs) I could just imagine a a room full of people, their jaws just wide open, like, you got to start from the beginning. What what was that? And especially when we think about it, because they didn't have the whole text to look back on like we do today. Right, yeah. Right, because we can look back to Job and we can see what, what happened in Job and we can see what happened in Exodus and we can see what happened, you know, the same stuff happened when Elijah was uh, raptured up. The same things happened. So we can look back on the text and we can, you know, cross-reference, but I don't think at that time they really could do that. Yeah. Um, they just kind of had to listen to the crazy <laughs> man who's telling them yeah. about these creatures. Yeah. Yeah, and you gotta think they're they're in exile, they're in captivity, they're they're under bondage. So it's like, how many people had prophecies like this, or how many people were trying to say stuff like this, and they're just like, well, 
that could or could not be true. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the harder things is they didn't have the Holy Ghost either to let them know, hey, you're you're going in the right direction. You know what I mean? They right. just had to kind of kind of trust that they were doing what was right. Yeah. Um, yeah. At that time, it was God spoke through the prophets. No, nothing else. There was there was only one way, one medium for the word of God to get to God's people, and that was through men. Right. Um, he couldn't. He wouldn't speak to them personally. Now, he obviously spoke to the prophets personally, but each individual person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why we're we're blessed today to be able to be filled with the Holy Ghost, because you know I I don't need to wait for the pastor or, or some spiritual man to come along and say, hey, this is what you need to be doing with your life, or hey, this is the, the direction God wants to take you. But yeah. we can we can hear from him now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any time of day. Yeah, we truly are blessed. So, now moving on to these creatures. What are these creatures? Well, if we jump forward in the Bible, all the way to the last book, Revelation 4, starting in verse 4, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. So there's those lightnings and thunderings again in the loud voices that we saw in Exodus. And there were seven lamps of the fire burning before the throne, and which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the four beasts was like a lion, so there's a lion. Second beast, like a calf, there's a calf. And third beast was the face of a man, there's a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Flying saucer? (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to the flying roll in a minute here, Dylan. (laughs) Was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. So so now we see here that, oh, these beings, which are now being described uh, very similar to what was described in Ezekiel, what Ezekiel was seeing, now being described in Revelation, sitting around the throne crying, Holy, 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 to the Lord, and we know that this is what the angels will do, right around the throne. So, what can we what what can we conclude here that these beings that Ezekiel was seeing were not, in fact, aliens as today's world defines them, but I think we can safely say that they were extraterrestrials. They were not of this world. I can agree with yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Because they were heavenly creatures, right? Yeah. So, that leaves one other area I want to cover. Zechariah 5 and verse 1. Well, and before you go there, um, I think it would be important to hit on this point, is you can't take everything in the Bible literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people out there. That's where... 
uh, most of these uh, ancient astrologists or alien hunters, whatever you want to call it, that use the Bible as evidence for aliens get mm -hmm. their stuff is because they're looking at these verses with a literal mindset as they're reading it, thinking, well, the Bible is the word of God, as Christians say. Mm -hmm. So every word must mean what it means. Uh, when in fact, if you were to look into it, go back into Babylonian history, uh, you would understand that the uh, four animals or the cherubims that are seeing the faces of these things corresponds to the iconography of the Babylonian zodiac. So uh, each represented a constellation that the Babylonians um, believed in and basically worshipped as gods. So they believed that their god, these particular gods, would control the seasons of the earth or the times or the weather or whatever thing it might be. And um, some of these were painted and worshipped to have those blessings come down. And so when, when God is showing this here to, to uh, Ezekiel, um, for that particular moment, um, during the Jew Jewish exile, they had believed that, that God had forgotten about them, that he had just forsaken them. And, and really, you know, God was sitting on the throne waiting for his time and his perfect will to be done. Um, but the Babylonians had also assumed that their gods had defeated the God of Israel. And so for, for God to give this vision to Ezekiel reminds the people of Israel that mm -hmm. though the Babylonians think they have victory over you, I'm still in control. Right. I still have yeah. it all uh, yeah. in my power and my sovereign hands. And through that, he was able to give confidence that, that one day you're coming out of captivity. One mm -hmm. day you're going to be set free from uh, this exile. And, and these powers that the Babylonians believe are holding you captive, mm -hmm. I control those things. Right. I have the power over those things. So um, you got to go back to historical context every time. You can't just take it from your modern day understanding and uh, go with it. Yeah. Otherwise, you get crazy things. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Context plays a big role in understanding certain things. Yeah. Especially when it comes to understanding the Bible. Context is very important. Yeah, I agree. But what do you got for in Zachariah? Well, this is perfect. You guys set it up perfectly, not taking into account historical context then i turned and lifted up my eyes and looked and behold a flying roll was it a sushi roll flying through the sky <laughs> <laughs> i don't think california rolls were invented yet but hey they might have been you never know i don't know i always think a text road has never this scripture every time you ever been to that restaurant where they throw rolls at you I have. i've seen i've seen that I have on been there. i've seen those videos it's That's a terrific really place happening. to go God was throwing rolls at Zechariah. What what's that place called? <laughs> Lambert's. Lambert's. It's a terrific place to go. Is there one around? You feel there? so happy whenever they come out there with those <laughs> rolls, and you just raise your hand and you get a roll. Do you I mean, get pelted in the face? They're good size too. Is there one around here? I don't think so. Dang it! No. I think the closest it. one is Missouri, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
Bummer. Yeah. I've only ever seen one person get hit in the head with one of those rolls. But would you be mad about it, though? I mean, a big... It's basically a big edible pillow that you just got hit in the face with. Not quite. No? Okay. <laughs> They're probably a little harder than you're thinking. All right, well. The guy who throws them, he's like a... Looks like a varsity quarterback whenever he throws them. He's like... All set up, lines it perfectly <laughs> line, lobs it in there. How big are these rolls? Uh, they're pretty big. Yeah, they're they're good size. About the size of a softball. They're good size. Man, that's. They have good other that's food nice. too. And they just keep bringing it out. It's really great. Anyways, let's let's keep going on. Back to rolls. <laughs> Back to the rolls. So, here Zachariah is saying. Look, guys, I see a flying roll. In verse 2, it says, And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I answered, and I said, I see a flying roll. What in the world? This, You know, this right here, if I was, if I was, again, if I was a person listening to Zechariah, you know, with the modern day mindset, and I just read this, and I'd be like, what in the world is he talking about flying rolls? First in the Bible, we have floating axe heads and talking donkeys, and now we got flying rolls. Like, what, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then you actually get get to some looking at it, and you realize, oh, well, roll in our modern day does not mean, you know, we don't have scrolls anymore, which is what roll meant. Um, so we don't really use the term scroll. So why would we ever use the term roll for scroll? Right. Yeah. We have sushi rolls. Like Dylan said, we have dinner rolls. We have all these different kinds of rolls. Some people so. have other rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say that word on the okay. podcast. <laughs> That's an attack on, attack on me, Dylan. P-H-A-T rolls. Is that what they are? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I've I started developing them, so <laughs> I think I'm qualified now. <laughs> okay. Too, so too many Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> so Zachariah just got shot down, or the theory of Zachariah. Um because it simply means scroll. It doesn't mean roll. Um it was a flying scroll of the law. Um that Zachariah was seeing, and a lot of people will turn that role into, oh, it's a UFO. Um, and at one point, Zachariah says, the role is speaking to me, so there's the alien speaking from the UFO. It's a scroll. Um, I think the first time I ever heard this, I was actually listening to a podcast with um, our guest here today, Brother Meadway, um, about some what he was talking about earlier, some Bible uh, literalist who went for about an hour and 45 minutes really just dissecting this verse and... Yeah, just this one verse. And just taking it and running with it as a role. Not, yeah. not it was dissect- like a four-part podcast. Yeah, it was really? ridiculous. Yeah, on aliens. And what flabbergasted me was that they never actually... Out of all that time and preparation, they never <laughs> stopped they never to ask... What does roll mean? 
Yeah, you would think the most simplest questions you would ask, right? Yeah. Uh, but when you're so enthralled with your own worldview and perception of Scripture, mm-hmm. you only ask the questions you want to ask. Um, and that's why we have to examine our lives to say, hey, you know, am I asking the right questions? Or am I just asking what I want to know mm-hmm. rather than what I need to know? Right. And if they, if they would have kept going... Um, they would have found out Zechariah was writing this during the um, the time when, uh, right before the Darius, the Persian king, had found um, in the treasury house where they kept all their treasures uh, from Babylon, because um, Persia had had overthrown Babylon and become the new world power, um, and the Israelites. They had, it had been like, I think, two to four years. They were trying to rebuild the walls at Jerusalem. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the story. Cyrus the king uh, and Ezra told them to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the walls, rebuild the temple. Mm-hmm. Well, they got attacked. You know, the letter that Cyrus had given to declare uh, to rebuild had been lost. Mm-hmm. And then, so they stopped building. And then all of a sudden they start building because... They they want to rebuild the temple of God. They want to restore worship at Jerusalem. Yeah. Well, Zechariah is writing this, and he's literally prophesying what's about to happen when Darius finds the letter that declares for the for the Jews to be able to rebuild and worship again at Jerusalem, and to be funded by the Gentile government, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so this scroll symbolizes the law. And the flying of the, the scroll symbolizes the law being able, being established throughout all the land where they're at. And by doing so, um, it, was, it was even thought that, uh, that Darius would uphold some of the laws of God, that he wanted, he wanted the, the people of God to have uh, their worship again because he knew mm-hmm. that this God of Israel was, was really a God with power compared yeah. to their gods. So yeah. uh, it was prophecy of that. It was prophecy that the law would be restored in Jerusalem. And if you get to the end of Ezra and Nehemiah and all that, um, at the very end, the the law, which hadn't been read in the people's ears, was read for the first time in, since the captivity of Babylon, I believe. You'd have to uh, fact check me, but... I believe that's how it went down. So wow. this verse really had huge prophetic implications. Mm-hmm. Um, again, when read in proper context. Right. Context is key. <laughs> yeah, I think it. it's a problem with modern-day Christianity is they just read one verse and stop. You know, the Bible isn't a book full of verses, but it, it's a whole book. Um. I think it's important, you know, you got to take the whole book to understand the whole book. You got to take the whole book into, like Brother Meadway is talking about, context. You got to cross reference things. You have, you know, the whole book adds up whenever you take the time to find out how it adds up. Um, and I think that's the problem with a lot of people who, quote unquote, Bible scholars today is, you know, they read the Bible and put it into what today's terms are. Um, Instead of, you know, understanding that, you know, the accounts in this book 
date all the way back 6,000 years ago, you know, the beginning of the earth, um, things have changed a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a sliver. Just a sliver. (laughs) Well, you know, while we're on this topic, um, you can find evidence and even context in the wrong places. Uh, So, fun fact. The Garden of Eden was a giant genetic laboratory. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was a farmer who uncovered 13 leather-bound papyrus books. Um, They were written by early Christians that professed Gnosticism. Uh, We know from historical context that Gnosticism was a very, very, uh, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing doctrine. Uh, to Christianity and was not accepted by many of the early apostles because they were trying to corrupt the gospel itself. Um, so when they found these these 13 leather-bound books, right, they found the gospels of Thomas and Philip. Well, hey, these are, these are apostles. These were people that, you know, uh, were disciples prominently mentioned, Book of Acts, the historical accounts. Um, so mixed in these gospels are poems, instructions for mystical practices, and and other descriptions of the origin of the universe. Uh, I don't believe that these books were actually written by Thomas and Philip, because it was a common practice for uh, some of the Gnostic Christians or people who were trying to get their doctrines put in Christianity to guise themselves under, uh, you know, prominent figures in the early church. Um, but in this, in, in I believe it's uh, Thomas's book, I forget which one it is, they made mention of a mysterious race called the Archons. You ever heard of the Archons? No. One other time before. One other time before? <laughs> I, I wouldn't imagine what time that was. But. Um, so the description of these Archons was that they were reptilian humanoid figures. So they looked like mm. reptiles. Yeah. They stood like humans. They had the shape of humans. They acted like reptiles, you know. Makes sense, right? So kind of like uh, Doctor Connors and Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I think I know what you're talking about. I think. I think. But basically, yeah, it's a human-like reptile standing on two feet. Mm-hmm. So makes they sense. take this, and one researcher takes the, these fragments of truth or what is so-called truth, because it's historical, mm-hmm. and, su- and suggests this, that the Garden of Eden, the story, um, is more than just what is in the Bible. In fact, he says there are other accounts that also say that there were these reptilian humanoids in other uh, cultures around the world. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. He didn't give any evidence for these sources. Um, but he says that this story in Genesis is talking about the point when human genetics were interfered with and genetically manipulated. And all of it hangs on this archon because it's a reptilian humanoid. And he says the snake, which is the serpent, the devil, right? He was cursed to crawl on the ground, to crawl on his belly. But before that, most scholars would agree that the snake walked uprightly, whether on two feet, I don't know. But he, he walked uprightly. He did not slither on the ground. 
Mm-hmm. And so by taking this, what seemed like truth and making this connection, he now says, well, the snake was the original manipulator of human genetics. The snake created humanity. And, and here's the problem when we do that is now um, we're taking fables and mixing them in with truth and we're able to create our own narrative. Right. Yeah. Cause and it sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like the connection makes sense. Yeah. But the source is not credible. Right. So there's, there's context, mm-hmm. but your source is wrong. And that's where a lot of Christians fall, fall today is they got the right context. They got what they think is the right context, but they've got the wrong sources because they never double checked mm. their facts. Yeah. And so now we have aliens, the serpent, <laughs> the devil, human reptile, humanoid reptiles that manipulated genetics of, of humanity. And, uh, you know, they say they're still living among us today, just in disguised in human bodies. <laughs> I know this might sound a little different, but do you think that's why tails are like accepted now as <laughs> as fashion? <laughs> well, listen, this this brings up a good point. Um, Furries, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, you know, the whole idea of furries. Think about it. It comes from Hollywood, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Star Wars. I mean, these things we created for entertainment. Chewbacca, Braylon. I was going to say, where did you get this? Star Wars, Star Trek, things like that, that okay. we created these creatures to fulfill entertainment because, mm-hmm. hey, this creature looks really weird, um, but Chewbacca's like, I don't know, everyone knows who Chewbacca is, I'm right. pretty sure. Um, if you don't, you probably live under a rock. <laughs> You're probably an alien. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, right. <laughs> but that that's where this whole concept comes from, is... It's now morphed from a fantasy, and we're trying to make what is fantasy reality. Yeah. And now we got furries. Yeah. We have literally become the aliens. We are wow. we are literally making ourselves aliens um, through the things that we're trying to fantasize over. Mm-hmm. Not in the sense of green Martians or extraterrestrials like we think, mm-hmm. but uh, in the sense of living out ideas and fantasies that are not true reality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're. That's a great point. You know, if you're born a, a human, you're human. Whether you think you're a cat or not, yeah. you, you need to use a toilet, not a litter box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please don't don't walk your human. <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah, I think, you know, and that's that's a major problem. Is you know. Modern day Christianity says we have to accept that, you know, because we're trying to show God's love. God's love includes everybody. God's love is showing, you know, love to everybody. Love, 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 right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but what we've missed is that, you know, God's base and core foundation, um, as I've, I was listening to a video um, by a very, very, very uh, well known and smart. Uh, Bible scholar, um, and in that video he explained how God's core foundation isn't love, but in fact it's holiness. Um, you know, because we can see that God doesn't love sin and God doesn't love 
the devil. So his holiness, therefore, dictates his love, right? Yeah. Um, so for Christians to accept sin for the sake of showing God's love, we failed. Yeah. Because we're showing God's... How am I trying to put this? We're we're not showing we're not living with a foundation of holiness as God lives, but instead we're trying to live with a love of this world because we're showing acceptance of sin. Yeah. Um, God's love does not accept sin; it accepts a sinner. You know, it, it loves the sinner, but not the sin. Well, I mean, Paul said it. He said he's talking to Corinthians. He's like, "How can light fellowship with darkness?" Yeah. Tell me. When when have you ever turned on the light switch in a room and you still had dark in it? When the light didn't turn on. <laughs> when the light didn't turn on, yeah. Yeah. But as long as there as long as there's a current flowing through those light bulbs, darkness cannot exist. So what I would say to those Christians that love these these people who are living in sin and continue to allow them to live in their sin, it's because the source that gives light is no longer flowing through them. Mm-hmm. And what, what used to be filled with light is now darkness and they don't even know it because the darkness, the light shone into the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. You know, there's many that profess to be Christians, but if, if Jesus were to show up today, they would take him back to Calvary because he wouldn't put up with some of the stuff that happens in our churches. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he walked into the temple and he saw all the money changers. He started flipping the tables. We've turned church into that in many different ways, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it's he, become a production. Yeah. It's become who can who can have the best choir, who can have the, the best sermons. And I, I love mm-hmm. our preaching. I love the way we do things in our movement. But th- there are times when sometimes your spirit checks you and you're like, this is more of a show than it is. Yeah. Yeah. A sermon shouldn't be a motivational speech. It should be an encouragement to your spirit. Yeah. yeah. And you can or tell the difference too. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell the difference mm-hmm. um, because if you're filled with the Holy ghost yeah, and the, the light, the light is on, you can tell when darkness is in the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when our worship services look like Toby Matt concerts, <laughs> we've we started slipping up in a few yeah. areas. <laughs> yeah, I yep. Yeah, it's it's but it's it's the trend of the culture mm-hmm. to become more relevant. We have to become less like Christ. Mm-hmm. Sadly enough, yeah, because because Jesus said it. Man. He said, "The world's gonna hate you." Yeah. But it hated him first. But it hated him first, exactly. And and if that is where we get to, which is where we're headed with everything that's going on in our country, mm-hmm. um, we don't hate gay people. We don't hate people who act like furries, or, and, and we don't condemn them. But exactly. we certainly can't stand here idly and say that that's not wrong. Yeah, That's not how God intended it. Because if we do, we are now becoming partakers. Mm-hmm. So, love the sinner, but not the sin. Yeah. Yeah. I can accept you for the person you are, but not for your life choices. 
Yeah. I want to say this. There are two kinds of aliens in this world. Let's hear them. Well, I want you guys to say yes. What you are, want me to? Okay. What are the two kinds of aliens in this world? Smart oh, and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Smart and dumb, right? Let's see. <laughs> I mean, it's real simple when you think about it. Don't overthink. I'm, I'm think. I'm. I'm just trying to think of a way to word it because I'm thinking of like light and darkness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the right track. Right. So there are. There are aliens, right, from God, and there are aliens from the world. So what do I mean? There are people who are are aliens to God. Mm-hmm. They're strangers. They don't know God. Um, they don't. They don't really have an understanding of who he is. Uh, And on the flip side of the coin, there are people who are aliens to this world who don't really know this world anymore. Um, We have scripture to kind of support it, too. Um, You know, it said that uh, the Gentiles, they were alienated from the covenant of God. They were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. They were alienated from God himself. They were aliens to God. Yeah. They were they are still aliens to God. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, repentant of your sins, you are an alien to God because you're not part of his kingdom. You're not a new man. You're not a new creature. You're still the old man fallen from sin. But if you've been born again, right? If you've been baptized in his spirit and you've been blood bought, mm-hmm. uh, it says now. You who are sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We are now once who were aliens to God are now aliens to this world. Um, it said in Hebrews, let me see here, Hebrews uh, eleven thirteen. These all died in the faith, not having received promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They were mm-hmm. aliens to this world. Yeah. So either you're going to be an alien to the world or you're going to be an alien to God. And I'd rather be a stranger to the people in this world than God think, I don't know him. Because if God doesn't know me, then there's a problem. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Def- the definition of alien. Um, the first I Google it real quick. The first definition says belonging to a foreign country or nation, and the Latin word uh, alienus, meaning belonging to another. <laughs> so, yeah. So, to to go along that the the biblical definition of alien, you know what it is? Foreigner. The, the Yep, the foreigner, um, someone who's uh, not from a nation or um, other words, uh, it means to, to alienate or to be estranged. So you're not familiar with a thing or you are pushed out of the thing. But here's, here's the definition that, that really got me. To be an alien to God. Right. To be an alien to God, by definition... An alien is to be shut out from one's fellowship and intimacy. Wow. Like, think about that. Wow. That, that's why 
the carnal man cannot perceive the spiritual things. It's because they're shut out from fellowship and intimacy with God. And they are aliens to his kingdom. Mm-hmm. It yeah. doesn't make sense. That's why when we see things flying in the sky and we don't know what they look like and we can't understand where they're coming from, we're like, man, that doesn't make sense. That's really weird. Like, how could there be this this orb of lights that sucks people up and they perform secret experiments on them, right? Yeah. Because we don't have the intimacy and fellowship with that object to know what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And this world is living in that same state. Every time that something happens biblically that brings revelation of prophecy, the, the world can't understand it. They can't see it. Why? Because they're estranged and they're out of fellowship with God's kingdom. Yeah. And that's how you can know the real Christians from the fake ones. Because the real ones will know that, hey, without holiness... No man can see the kingdom of God. Yeah. Right. Yep. It, it, it all goes back to that. Do you know God? And if you know God, you're going to have intimacy and fellowship, and he's going to reveal those things to you that you need in order to follow him yeah. and live a holy and a righteous life. Yeah. And show you that aliens don't exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Green-headed four foot big black eyed people alien right yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) plungers for ears and yeah plungers for ears (laughs) 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 that's a new one oh my goodness you've never seen that no i actually haven't well plunger for ear like with the stick and everything yeah the stick is what is the ears wasn't there something about Skinny, white, big-headed aliens. Yeah, or something like, like ten that. foot skinny white aliens with <laughs> oh, football heads. T- football heads, yeah. The football heads. You go yeah. to Tippy Canoe, you see plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dylan, oh. we're gonna have to kick you off the podcast. <laughs> it's okay. I oh, don't think we have any listeners from Tippy Canoe. Well, you better hope not. Yeah, better hope not. They probably don't get good enough service out there. <laughs> Yeah, so here's here's an interesting scripture <laughs> that heads get <laughs> here's an interesting scripture that kind of defines what it means to be alienated from Christ. Um, Ephesians four seventeen through nineteen says, "So this I say and solemnly affirm, together with the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds, in the foolishness and the emptiness of their souls. For their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is clouded. They are alienated and self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the willful ignorance and spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them because of the hardness and insensitivity. Insensit- can't say it. Insensitivity of there their heart. Okay. There, there we go. go. <laughs> and they are ungodly in spiritual apathy, having become callous and unfeeling, having given themselves over to unbridled sensuality, eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity. So what? Hmm. what is it saying? These people are aliens to God because they've given themselves over to the things that please their senses. Yeah. If that doesn't describe the world we live in, I don't know what does. Yeah. There are people that walk around every day 
just doing what they want that makes them feel good. They have, you know, the drugs or the alcohol or uh, some people, you know, go out and find a prostitute or something like that, you know. There are lots of things that, that happen that these people now become aliens to God. And by virtue, they don't know him. Yeah. And it's really sad, you know? It's sad. Yeah. Um, and that's why we, as those who have given themselves to the truth, have to be fully given to the truth. Um, it's so that those who are, you know, given to this world, given to themselves, have some sort of a chance, right? Um, you know, much like I'm sure each and every one, you know, each uh, three of us, we've... Uh, We've been at places where we've been the people who are giving more time to themselves, giving themselves to the world yeah. more than God. And right. I'm sure each of us can also name the person that was there to help us, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's really important. That's why we got to stay connected um, through prayer, through study of the Word, not just reading of the Word, but study of the Word to, to help show those who um, are not connected the way to be connected. Yeah. But yeah, there's also, and you got to think about this is, um, our, our sense of reality is not the only reality that's out there. Yeah. What, what we see in this world is not the only reality there is. There is a spiritual reality, right? Uh, Paul put it this way, our, our, fle- our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Mm-hmm. So there are forces in heavenly places. Uh, Colossians 1.16, Paul said, For by him all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions. It's not talking about earthly thrones and earthly territories, but thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. It's talking about these spiritual uh, places that have the power over the areas that they inhabit. Um, All things were created and exist through him and they all exist for him. So these people who are alienated that have given themselves over to sensuality cannot realize sometimes that what they're fighting isn't always their flesh. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're fighting aliens. Yeah, right. Sometimes they're fighting spiritual forces that they can't see and that they can't comprehend because they are not aligned with God. Um, But for those that are, Paul, Paul drops this little bomb in Hebrews 13 too. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Isn't that awesome? That for those that live in accordance with God's word, there is, you can tap into that realm of the supernatural and you can entertain heavenly things. Yeah. And heavenly things come knocking at your door sometimes. Yeah. It's not aliens. Not, well, I mean, technically. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Not green Martians, that's for sure. Right. Well, I hope we answered the question today, if aliens exist or not. I don't know. 
That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brother Meadway's still trying to decide over there. <laughs> you got anything left to add, Brother Dylan? No, I just want to reiterate. I'm happy to be on the podcast and it's been fun. And uh, probably won't have me back on for some of the things I said, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, we'll be over it. <laughs> Braylon said worse. I, contrary, um, Dylan, I think you beat me on that one. Well, I, I would, I would say so. That's a pretty. We'll let you guys decide that. <laughs> this has been our episode of Do Aliens Exist? In a way, they do. If you're listening and paying attention, you understand how. If you skip to the end and took it out of context, you don't. You fail. <laughs> you still think aliens exist. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Truth Real Podcast. I'm Dylan Cottrell. And I'm Braylon Wareham. And I'm Dylan Needway. See you next time.